This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the One Year Bible Reading for April 21st, and we begin today in Joshua chapter 22, verse 21, and we find the nation of Israel almost in civil war over this altar that has been built. Then the people of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered the heads of the clans of Israel, The Lord, the Mighty One, is God. The Lord, the Mighty One, is God. He knows the truth, and may Israel know it too. We have not built the altar in treacherous rebellion against the Lord. If we have done so, do not spare our lives this day. If we have built an altar for ourselves to turn away from the Lord or to offer burnt offerings or grain offerings or peace offerings, may the Lord himself punish us. The truth is we have built this altar because we fear that in the future your descendants will say to ours, what right do you have to worship the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has placed the Jordan River as a barrier between our people and you people of Reuben and Gad. You have no claim to the Lord, so your descendants may prevent our descendants from worshiping the Lord. So we decided to build the altar, not for burnt offerings or sacrifices, but as a memorial. It will remind our descendants and your descendants that we too have the right to worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and peace offerings. Then your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no claim to the Lord. If they say this, our descendants can reply, look at this copy of the Lord's altar that our ancestors made. It is not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. It is a reminder of the relationship both of us have with the Lord. Far be it from us to rebel against the Lord or turn away from him by building our own altar for burnt offerings, grain offerings, or sacrifices. Only the altar of the Lord our God that stands in front of the tabernacle may be used for that purpose. When Phinehas, the priest, and the leaders of the community, the heads of the clans of Israel, heard this from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe half of Manasseh, they were satisfied. Phinehas, son of Eleazar the priest, replied to them, Today we know the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord as we thought. Instead, you have rescued Israel from being destroyed by the hand of the Lord. Then Phinehas, son of Eleazar the priest, and the other leaders, left the tribes of Reuben and Gad and Gilead, and returned to the land of Canaan to tell the Israelites what had happened. <clears throat> and all the Israelites were satisfied and praised God, and no spoke no more of war against Reuben and Gad. The people of Reuben and Gad named the altar Witness, for they said, It is a witness between us and them that the Lord is our God too. The years passed, and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. Joshua, who was now very old, called together all the leaders, elders, judges, and officers of Israel. He said to them, I am now a very old man. You have seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. The Lord your God has fought for you against your enemies. I have allotted to you as your homeland all the land of the nations yet unconquered, 
as well as the land of those we have already conquered, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. This land will be yours, for the Lord your God will himself drive out all the people living there now. You will take possession of their land just as the Lord your God promised you. So be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate it, deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. Make sure you do not associate with the other people still remaining in the land. Do not even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Rather, cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. For the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you, and no one has yet been able to defeat you. Each one of you will put to flight a thousand of the enemy, for the Lord your God fights for you, just as he has promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away from him and cling to the customs of the survivors of these nations remaining among you, and if you intermarry with them, then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of your land. Instead, they will be a snare and a trap to you, a whip for your backs and thorny brambles in your eyes, and you will vanish from this good land the Lord your God has given you. Soon I will die, going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. But as surely as the Lord your God has given you the good things he promised, he will also bring disaster on you if you disobey him. He will completely destroy you from this good land he has given you. If you break the covenant of the Lord your God by worshiping and serving other gods, his anger will burn against you and you will quickly vanish from the good land he has given you. Luke 20, beginning in verse 27. Then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. So the Sadducees were very conservative religious leaders, but they only believed in um, the accuracy or the validity of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, which were authored by Moses. And because there was no resurrection in those books, they did not believe in the resurrection. They posed this question, teacher, Moses gave us a law that if a man dies, leaving a wife but no children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. Well, suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children, so the second brother married the widow, but he also died. Then the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them who died without children. Finally, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. Now, this is a question that had tricked the Pharisees. And obviously, the Sadducees didn't even believe in this because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And Jesus replied, Marriage is for people here on earth. But in the age to come, those worthy of being raised from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they will never die again. In this respect, they will be like angels. They are the children of God and children of the resurrection. But now, as to whether the dead will be raised, even Moses proved this when he wrote about the burning bush. Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, he referred to the Lord as the God of Abraham the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead, for they are all alive to him. 
Well said, teacher, remarked some of the teachers of religious law who were standing there. Then no one dared ask him any more questions. Then Jesus presented them with a question. Why is it, he said, that the Messiah is said to be the son of David? For David himself wrote in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand, until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Since David called the Messiah Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? Then, with the crowds listening, he turned to his disciples and says, and said, Beware of these teachers of religious law. For they like to parade around in flowing robes and love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces, and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be severely punished. So they believed that the Messiah to come was only to be a man. They did believe him to be in the line of David, but Jesus used this teaching to show that um, he was likely to be more than man and, of course, was trying to point to himself. Psalm 89, beginning in verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. They exult in your righteousness. You are their glorious strength. It pleases you to make us strong. Yes, our protection comes from the Lord. And he, the Holy One of Israel, has given us our King. Long ago you spoke in a vision to your faithful people. You said, I have raised up a warrior. I have selected him from the common people to be king. I have found my servant David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. I will steady him with my hand. With my powerful arm I will make him strong. His enemies will not defeat him, nor will the wicked overpower them, him. I will beat down his adversaries before him and destroy those who hate him. My faithfulness and unfailing love will be with him, and by my authority he will grow in power. I will extend his rule over the sea, his dominion over the rivers, and he will call out to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I will make him my firstborn son, the mightiest king on earth. I will love him and be kind to him forever. My covenant with him will never end. I will preserve an heir for him. His throne will be as endless as the days of heaven. But if his descendants forsake my instructions and fail to obey my regulations, if they do not obey my decrees and fail to keep my commands, then I will punish their sin with the rod and their disobedience with beating. But I will never stop loving him, nor fail to keep my promise to him. No, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back a single word I said. I have sworn an oath to David, and in my holiness I cannot lie. His dynasty will go on forever. His kingdom will endure as the sun. It will be as eternal as the moon, my faithful witness in the sky. Proverbs 13 17 through 19. An unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. 
If you ignore criticism, you will end up in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you will be honored. It is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. And to end, we're with Selwyn Hughes, and he's teaching us how to have hind's feet in high places. And here he gets to the heart of the matter from Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What is the essential difference between the heart and the mind? Many believe there is no difference and that they are really the same thing. I see a clear difference between the heart and the mind. The mind is the part of us that thinks and reasons. The heart is the part of us that contains our deep longings and desires. Although the mind is important, the heart is even more important because that is the engine room of our personality, the part from which comes our drive and motivation. That is why our Lord says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Christ said that the words he spoke were the words given to him by his Father. John fourteen twenty four. Does that mean that the Father wrote out the words which he wanted Christ to say and got him to learn them by heart? No, the motivating center of the heart of Jesus Christ was the very heart of God the Father. Consequently, the words Christ spoke were the exact expression of God's thought. In our Lord, the tongue was always in its right place. He spoke not just from his head, but from his heart. His heart and mind were one. Oswald Chambers puts it like this, The heart is the central altar, and the mind the outer court. What we offer on the central altar will show itself in due course through the outer extremities of the personality. In the search for unity of purpose and integration, there is no doubt that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Oh God, help us to be like Jesus and pass on to others not just the things that come into our heads, but the things that flow out of our hearts. Bring our hearts in closer contact with your heart, dear Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you all. Have a beautiful day.